this morning. Let's take our Bibles, if we would, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to go quite as long this morning. Uh, and, and the reason for that is we've got these kids out here and they've already been out there an hour. And so I'm having mercy upon our children's workers. I think it's what I'm trying to do. But uh, we, wanna, we do want to coordinate with our kids' ministry and uh, make sure that, that our timing is right there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, what I want to see, what I want you to see, it's actually, uh, I was going to actually read out of the Living Bible in this portion of this chapter, but I'm not going to do that for time's sake. But what I want to do is I'm going to point out three verses that are going to help us get into this message today. Now, let me preface with this message with this. I'm talking on a subject today that I haven't as far as an entire sermon, I haven't done literally in years. I'm saying years, plural. And I say that to my shame because what I'm going to talk about today, there's more on this subject than there is on the subject of love. There's more on this subject that we're going to talk about today than prayer. There's more said in the Bible on this subject than heaven or hell. There's more said on this subject that we're going to talk about this morning than on the kingdom of God. This subject is prolific through the entirety of the word of God. And what we're going to see today is in these two chapters, and I'm really just going to deal with a portion of scripture in the eighth chapter, but 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 are the most extensive teaching on this area of our finances, and it has to do with giving, and I, I call it Christian giving. So today I want to talk about the grace of giving. Now think about that term. When you think about the grace of God, you normally don't think about giving, but I want you to see what the Bible says, because we're going to look in the Word of God today. So let's look at this. Second Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 7 with me. Here's what it says. But as you abound in everything, now here are the Corinthians, and they're abounding in many areas. They're doing good in many areas, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us. See, look at this, see that you abound in, what does it say? This grace also. Paul says, Corinthians, you're doing good in many areas. You have faith. That's probably faith to believe God for great things. Knowledge, knowledge of God was doing diligence. They were very diligent and zealous kind of people. There was love for Paul. But there's another grace that Paul said, I don't want you to leave out. Verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Notice this. Now, this is amazing. Isn't it amazing to us that when, when Paul wants to talk about Christian giving, the grace of giving, isn't it amazing that he talks about the most amazing demonstration of God's grace, and that is God's one and only Son hanging on the cross, pouring out his life for the redemption of the world. He connects giving with that most holy text. Look at it, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty, his poverty might become, that we through his poverty might become rich. Father, we ask your blessing upon our hearts 
in our lives for these moments of this message. Give us the anointing and give our minds the anointing. Give our hearts the ability to receive and to respond. And for this we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Now we're going to deal, I'm going to pick some things out of the first 15 verses. And we'll look at some other places. I'm going to watch my time this morning. But what I want you to see that in these two chapters, I refer again to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. What we have is a guide to Christian giving. Now, many, there are verses in the Bible that do not apply to New Testament Christians. Would you agree with that? There are things in the Old Testament that have to do with Jews or somehow under their, their dispensation that doesn't apply to us. These chapters right here apply to every believer, apply to every church for all time. These are principles that, we, that are to govern what we think about finance and about giving. Now, we don't look at this the way the world looks at it. We don't view life anymore the way we were before we were lost. Now, we have the light and the knowledge of our Lord and His Word, and light gives understanding, the Bible says, to the simple. And so, I want to look at this today. Let me jump into this. In verses 1 through 7, what we see is, I'm going to title this, this will be on the screen, the Macedonians' deep desire to serve the Lord. Do you see that? We, I'm going to show you some verses. These believers in the Macedonian church, this is not one church. These are a group of churches in the area of Macedonia in Paul's day. And they had this deep desire to serve the Lord. They were, the, they were strong Christians. Now you say, well, pastor, what makes a strong Christian? Is it that one that can shout the most on Sunday morning? Is it that one that's the most emotional? No. What makes a strong Christian? Well, we could probably answer that in several ways. But what we're going to see in verses 1 and 2 are some characteristics of very strong Christians. Look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, I make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Not only on them, but Paul is saying God's grace is not only upon them, God's grace is, following, is flowing through them. How many of you know uh, when we were at the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea, nothing, there's nothing there really. There's no fish in there or anything. Why? Wow, the salt content is so high, nothing could survive there. What it is, one person or several persons have said the Dead Sea has an inlet, but it has no outlet. Sea of Galilee has an inlet and an outlet, and it's fresh and it's vibrant. The Dead Sea has an inlet, but no outlet. How many know that we have an inlet? We have an inlet in our lives. We have all been blessed by God's grace in millions and millions and millions of ways. So like the Macedonians, we not only need to have the grace of God upon us, we need God's grace flowing through us, and giving is one of those ways that this happens. But notice this, verse 2. That in, the tri in a great trial of affliction, the, uh, notice the abundance of their joy, notice, and their deep poverty. Everyone say that. Their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So I want you to see this, really by way of introduction. I just want to introduce these group of Christians to you. First of all, notice their endurance in serving the Lord. That life is going to be filled with difficulty. Anyone that ever tells you, that the Christian life is easy is misleading you. The Christian life is not easy. On many levels, it is hard. One thing is, if you go and you'll find a mirror, 
this afternoon and just look into that mirror. One of the most difficult persons you're ever going to have to be with is that person in that mirror. Don't shout me down now. Come on, don't shout me down. Because we have this flesh that we have to keep under the blood and we have to walk in the Spirit of God. Then there's the world around us that's adverse to this Word of God and becoming more adverse. And then there is a spirit world, an evil world that, that has many adversaries and emissaries of the enemy. But notice this. Here are the Macedonians. Listen, deep difficulty, problems, poverty, hardship. But what we're going to see about these Macedonian churches, it's amazing how eager they were to just keep on keeping on serving God. Maybe you're here today. Maybe this has been a tough week for you this week. Maybe you faced difficulties. Maybe you faced discouragement. Maybe you faced disappointments. The best thing you could have done on this day is to get up, get ready, square your shoulders, and say, we're going to go worship God. I will bless, listen, I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, isn't it interesting, Paul says that these Macedonian Christians were eager to serve the Lord and to, and to endure through hardship, through difficulty. And isn't it interesting that it's right there in Macedonia where Paul and Silas were placed in prison, and isn't it interesting that in, the 20, in Acts 16.25, it says in the prison, in Macedonia, in Philippi, that's Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, Amphipolis, and right there, what did they do in their difficulty? They prayed in the prison, and they sang praises to God. And then guess what they did? Then they went from there down to Thessalonica, preached a few weeks, and all of a sudden, the persecution came again and ran them out. And so that was kind of the spiritual atmosphere in Macedonia, and yet these churches were eagerly serving God. Notice the word joy here, the verse 2, in the abundance of their joy. So I just want to introduce these Christians to you. Here they are, your brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago, not, have, not on easy street, but on difficult street. Everything's not great, grand, and easy. It's difficult. They don't have a lot of resources. They've got adversarial attitudes around them in the culture, in the government, uh, in, in the false religions around them. But here they are, filled with joy, serving the Lord. Here they are, overflowing with and, and not diminishing in their dedication to God, but all the more serving God, enduring through every trial, every storm, every difficulty. Can I tell you, every storm you can overcome. Every difficulty, because, listen, greater is he, right, that's in you and me than he that's in the world. So here's these deeply dedicated believers in the area of Macedonia. And not only that, these people were fully surrendered to God. Now, we're going to talk about giving, but notice this. Their giving was not just about money, but first of all, notice this. I'm going to read this. They gave themselves to the Lord. Now look at verse 3. It says, For I bear witness according to their ability. Yes, beyond their ability, they, they, and, and, were, and were freely willing, imploring us, this is amazing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry of the saints. Verse 5. And not only as we had hoped, notice this, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us, by the will of God. No, notice this. 
Now, I'm going to just say, we don't own anything. You say, well, I own my bank account, I own my car, I own this. The truth of the matter is, a Christian is not an owner of anything. Everything that you have belongs to God. And it's on, listen, it's on loan to God, from God to you. He's loaned it to you. And one day, we're all going to stand before the Lord. And for our time, our talents, our treasures... The way we lived our life, the way we handled our money, the way we handled our, lived our life, we're going to stand and give an account for what the Lord loaned us. And it's interesting that these Macedonians, first of all, they gave themselves to the Lord. Because in, in, as we look at giving, giving is really not about money at its core. It's really about, will I live in every aspect of my life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's really what it's about. It's really not about money. It's is, uh, will every part in every aspect of my life, my time, my talent, my treasures, my intellect, all that I have and all that I am, will it be under his Lordship? Remember this? The Bible says, seek ye second. Oh, maybe I quoted it wrong. Seek ye second. Am I right? Am I... Oh, he was right. See, I mess, I'm messing with you, brother. I'll let you preach and mess with me next time. <laughs> I said second, and he was right, and I'm just kidding, of course. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God wants to be first in my life in every way. And these Macedonians, see, I had to let him be first. See, handling money is a test from God. Every young person here, you boys and girls, you need to know that handling money is a test from God. And I'll give you this for reference sake, but in, in the book of Luke 16, 10 through 13, here's what Jesus said, that, that if, if you can't handle money, you can't handle spiritual things. If you're unfaithful in finance, you will also be unfaithful in spiritual matters. Finances are a test for each of us. Do you hear that? Finances are a test of how we will live and how we will serve the Lord. So here are these people. Verse 5 again says, Then they gave themselves to us. Here is a deeply dedicated group of churches, the Macedonian churches. Once again, Philippi, Amphipolis, Neapolis, Thessalonica, Berea. All those were the Macedonian churches. And here are these Christians. First of all, what did they do? He said they gave themselves to God first. God, I'm surrendered to you. Do you realize that if we will give ourselves to God... You ever notice how that when we're fully surrendered to God, everything else falls in place? Men, let me speak to you. Have you ever noticed that you're a much better husband when you are fully surrendered to God? The men are very quiet in here. I may have to talk to Karen afterwards. Men, I can tell you this, that when you are walking in the Word of God, when you are full of prayer, you are full of love, you're full of compassion, you're surrendered to God, you're a great husband. Neglect prayer, neglect surrendering to God, neglect walking in the Holy Spirit. You ever notice how we can start walking in the flesh again and not walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Why? First thing is, we give ourselves to God. If we'll give ourselves to God, guess what? Our wallet follows us. Our attitude follows us. And the, and the Macedonian church says, first thing they did is they gave themselves to God. And then it says this, and then they gave themselves to us in the will of God. I've watched people 
When they're surrendered to God, they're ready to serve. How can I help the church, Pastor? How can I serve? How can I, do you need help ushering? Do you need help in the flower bed? Do you need to help building? It's amazing how when people's hearts are surrendered to God, how that everything else will fall into place. These were amazing Christians. Once again, think about it. Serving the Lord, great difficulty. Serving the Lord, poverty. Serving the Lord in many areas around them, pressures. But yet there was great joy. There was great generosity. There was great servanthood. There was great attitude. They weren't fighting their leaders. Paul said they gave themselves up. They're just like Joey McClure. Brother Joey, I miss him so much. Joey, almost before every service, he would say, Pastor, how can I help you? Let me tell you, on a Sunday morning when things have been busy during the week, that's the greatest words you can hear. Pastor, how can I help you? These Macedonians were, Paul, how can I help you do the work of God? How can I help you? How can we move the church forward? That's the kind of people they were. They were deeply dedicated to the Lord. Now notice this. In verse 2, it mentions this in this translation. It's a good translation. Deep poverty. Deep poverty. It reminds me of the lady with two mites, the little widow lady that Jesus spoke about. And, she, and, and all the wealthy were putting in, and Jesus was watching them put their offerings in the treasury. All of a sudden, a little widow lady steps up, and she puts two mites in there. And the omniscient Son of God said, She, disciples learned this, she has placed more in the offering than all those ostentatious wealthy people. Why? Because he's, he knew this. She placed in her total living in the offering. Now, he only knew that because he was the omniscient God. I've, I've said to several people, I've often wished that we could have known the rest of the story with that widow lady. I can tell you this, because I know my God. She was blessed. He did, she put everything in the offering. I can tell you, she probably got so blessed. Abundant blessing came her way. She was cared for the rest of her life. It reminds me this this giving out of their deep poverty reminds me of Elijah when the Lord said, I want you to go to Zarephath up in Sidon. He said, I want, there's a lady, a widow lady that I'm gonna, I'm, I've assigned to care for you. He walks in the city, sees a little widow lady gathering some sticks. Hey, ma'am, get me a little water. She said, okay, I'll get you a little water. She starts to go, hey, by the way, when you bring the water, bring me a, a, a piece of bread too. She turns to him and she says, I, my, my son and I, have nothing. We have a little jar that has a little bit of meal in it. And what our, my plan was that we were going to just make a little cake for my boy and for me. And then that's all we have. We have no prospect for the future. We, no, no hope that anything else is coming. It's been famine and, and no rain for three and a half years. And he said, listen, lady, bring me the cake first. Seek ye first. Put God first. It's not that the prophet is putting himself before the widow lady. The prophet represented the Lord. He represented the Lord in the story. And he said, and by the way, I want to prophesy to you. If you'll do this, the mill barrel will never run dry. You'll never go lack. Even if there's famine all over. Listen, I've, I've been, uh, David said, I've been young and now I'm old. Listen, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Maybe famine all around us, but I'm telling you, God's faithful to his faithful people. He can send a raven to your house if he needs to. And the Bible said that as, he, as she received it, she gave it to the prophet first. 
And every day she went to that mirror bear and God filled it up. She would empty it out and God would fill it up. She would empty it out, I'm sure, and God would fill it up. Come on, praise God. You can't outgive the Lord. And these people were so eager to give. Look at verse 4 of this chapter. Here's what it says. Now look at this. Look at me. These poor people literally begged Paul to give in the offering. Now what's the offering? The offering was the mother church in Jerusalem was going through a severe time of suffering. You remember in Acts chapter 8, a lot of the folks left, the leaders stayed, but the church, the mother church was suffering. And Paul was basically saying this, listen, the Jews have blessed you, Gentiles. The Jews, it's where the gospel, God let the gospel come to us through the Jews. They blessed you. Now look at them. You need to bless them back. And the Macedonian says, we want to be a part of it. The Corinthian says, we want to be a part of it. And then look at this. This is when, when they heard what was going on and they had a chance to participate in an offering. Look at how they did it. Look, let, let me read verse 4. Let me see here. Does it say? I'm a, it's a little blurry here. Let me, let me see. Oh, my goodness, the pastor wants another offering. Oh, wait. Is that right? No, that's not what it says. Look at this. They had an opportunity to give. Now, think about it. Poor, deep poverty, suffering, difficulty. And look what it says. Imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. Paul, we want to participate in the offering. We want to give in the offering. Please, please, please take our money because we're not giving it just to Jerusalem. We're offering it to the Lord. They were begging them to participate. No, you're too poor. He was, they were begging to be a part. This week... And I, for, because I'm online, I won't say names. You'll know who it is. I was praying with a dear lady, my wife and I. Her loved ones were there. A couple of her loved ones were there. And uh, here's a dear lady with cancer. Here's a dear lady that's blessed this church for years and decades and decades and decades. Here's a dear lady that's bedridden now, can't walk anymore. And yet when I'm leaving, her daughter says, let me get the checkbook. I'm going, she said, here's what she said, mother insists. It's a tithe check. Here's a, and, I, and I thought this week, here are the Macedonians suffering. But yet out of their deep poverty they give. Here's a dear woman of God that has blessed this church for decades. Suffering with cancer. Not thinking about herself. She said, here's what she said. My mother says, if I don't obey God with my giving, I will be disobeying and displeasing to the Lord. You better take the check, Pastor. And when I saw that, I thought, that's like the Macedonians. You got right? Amazing. Amazing. Now, let's, let's look at this, and I'll just go a few. Uh, Paul, in verse 7, he encourages them to abound 
They abound in a lot of areas, faith, they abounded in knowledge, gifts of the Spirit. But Paul said there's something that if we leave out of our Christian life, our, our Christian life is incomplete. If we leave this aspect out, you say, well, I pray a lot. Well, that's great. Well, you know, I, whatever, I, I, I teach this class, or I sing, or I help in the yard, or I help usher, or camera, whatever else. Those are great things we need to be zealous in. But I think Paul would ask us, but are we abounding in this grace? What is the grace? He said there again in verse 7, you abound in everything, faith, speech, knowledge, diligence, love. But I want you to abound, see that you abound in this grace also. This is, what's Paul saying? What's the Holy Spirit saying? This is a vital part of our Christian life. And without having this in place, there's always going to be a missing blessing there. There's always going to be something missing in our lives. So, so as I, and, and, uh, that's kind of the introduction part. Let me, let me wind this down with principles contained here in this text of Scripture of how we should give. How should we give? Verse 8 says that we give, and by giving, it's a way of showing our love. But look at verse 8. I speak not by commandment. Nobody's compelling anyone. In chapter 9, Paul talked about not compelling you know, and guilting people and all of that. That's not what we do. That's not what a minister should do. That's not what a church would do. We don't send folks bills. I don't, look, I don't know what anyone gives in this church. I don't look at what anyone gives. That's between you and God. But my job is to show you what God's Word says. Paul says, not by commandment. I'm not, verse 8, I'm not commanding you. I'm not guilting you. I'm not, I'm not causing you to, you know, to feel this, this human guilt. He said this, but I'm testing the sincerity of your what? Of your love. You know, it's been said, I don't really know who said it, you can give without loving, but you can never truly love without giving. I think that's a true statement. Because people can give for all kinds of reasons. Some give because they want others to see what they give. Some give whatever, you know, out of guilt. But, but when there's true love of God that has gripped your heart and that's gripped our soul, there's something that wants to give. Christianity is not about getting. Christianity is about giving. How do I know that? When is the last time you saw First Atheist Hospital? First Agnostic Hospital. No, it's Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Methodist. Why? Because Christianity wants to give. When we see need, we want to give. And when the Macedonians, even out of their poverty, and they heard the other believers in Jerusalem were hurting, they said, we want to give. Why? That's the love of God. 1 John says this. 1 John, I'm paraphrasing, let your love be real. Don't love in word only. 1 John 3, 16, 17, 18. Let your love be real. Don't love in word only. Love in what? Deed and in truth. Listen to me. Love is not just about emotionally getting stirred up. Love is not just impulse. Love is about seeing what our Father God has put in His Word and saying, Father, I will obey you in this matter. I will come under your Lordship in this matter. And so love inspires us to give. And also, love, this, this giving, you want to be like Jesus? Give. Look at verse 9 again. For, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he owned it all. But he, he gave it up, yet for your sake he became poor. Think about how far he came down. He went 
from owning everything. The cattle on a thousand hills, all the planets, all the stars, everything is at his disposal. And yet he even laid aside, never lost of course, he even laid aside the prerogatives of his deity for those 33 and a half years. He became poor. He was born to poor people. Absolutely. Mary and Joseph were poor. How do I know? Because the offering on the eighth day was, was birds. And that was the lowest offering. If, poor, if, if you couldn't handle lamb, couldn't afford the biggest offering, you just gave a little bit there. They, brought the, that, they were poor Jewish couple. Born to a poor family. Jesus was poor. There's times Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. Think about it. He became poor. Why? He gave sacrificially. You want to be like Jesus? Get in the sacrifice zone. You want to be like the Lord? Give. Because God loves what? He loves a cheerful giver. I mean, if you're begrudging this morning, I would say don't give. God will, God will bless somebody else through someone else. I'm, I'm telling you what, uh, the reason I haven't preached on this in years and years and years and years and years is because I see the abuse, I see the, the nonsense that goes on in Christian ministers and, and manipulating people and, and robbing a bunch of thieves and robbers. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. I'm going to get a bad attitude up in here. I think it's wrong. I think it's horrible. But I can tell you this, God wants us to give. And he wants us to give for the right reasons. First of all, we love him with all our hearts. He's died for our sins. We give because we give out of obedience. We give because there's a joy. And we also know this. God's like, like what Bob said. God's going to bless you if you give. I believe that. I believe in the blessing of the Lord. But we emulate our Savior when we give. Our giving, verse 10, 11, quickly. And, this is, and in this I give advice. It is to your advantage Notice this, not only to be doing what you began, notice, to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must complete the doing of it. And as there was a readiness and a desire, and, and to desire it, so there may be a completion about, uh, out of what you have. So let me, let me explain that. That may be a little confusing. A year before this, Titus had come to Corinth a year before. And he said to them probably something like this. Listen, the mother church in Jerusalem where the gospel started, they're suffering, they're hurting, they're in poverty. The Corinthians were the very first ones who said, we want to do something. And they got emotional. And out of impulse, they were the very first ones in all that area. And, and now a year had gone by. And guess what? They hadn't, they hadn't completed it yet. But guess what? The Macedonian Christians had already outdone them. They had already given and given and given. You see that? Amen? And so that's what happened there. And now he's saying you got to complete. That's how we give. We give steady. We give weekly. Everybody say first fruits. We give first fruits. Now look at this as we wind this down. God's system of giving is simple and it's clear. Verse 12 says it's got to be willingly. It's not out of compulsion. Say amen. Verse 12, for if, if there is a willing mind, it is accepted to what one has and not according to what one does not have. So not only do we give willingly, we give what we have. You know, it's like the prophet said, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Don't wait till you win the lottery. Come on, amen. <laughs> right? 
9-7, we give cheerfully. And we also give by faith. We also give by faith. I want you to stand with me if you would come, Tori, to the piano. I want you to play just a moment here. Now I want to read one more verse. I want you to put verse 15 up, please. I want you to stand with me if you would. Everyone would stand. I know our kids out here are getting ready to, to go. Now I want you to see this right here. I want you to look at this verse. Now, this is a quotation from Exodus 16, 18, but I want to quote it here. It's, it's in this passage. Here's what it says. He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Now, do you, do you remember what that was from? Remember what that was from? That was from the story of the manna, right? Manna went out, and the Lord said, gather every day, but there was one day that you weren't together. You don't go out on Sabbath and gather, but you gather for those six day, or those days, and then on that day, you, on, the, on the day before Sabbath, you gather twice as much, and Sabbath was for them, of course, a day of rest. But notice, notice what it says here. He who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little, say it with me, had no, had no lack. He who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little had no lack. Why is that? Here's what one commentator said. He said this of this verse. The collecting of the manna by the Israelites in the wilderness was an appropriate illustration of sharing resources. Here's what it says. Some were able to gather more than others and apparently shared, shared what they had with those who lacked when they needed it. So you don't see that in the text, but apparently that's what happened. Why? And that's, that's the message in 2 Corinthians 8 that now the Macedonians have blessing, so they need to share with those who are less fortunate. So it's all about, about giving. Amen? Stephanie, would you come and, and sing How Great Thou Art? Would you come and sing that? Would you play that? Let's bow our heads. Father, today we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love today. Lord, we worship you. Come on, would you lift your hands and just bless the Lord for a moment here? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great goodness, for your great mercy. We love you today. We bless you, Lord. Let's sing this.